We're in a series called Worldview. Somebody say Worldview. Thank you. We're learning about how we view the world. Think about your worldview as being a set of lenses that you put on and you see the world from. Everybody has a worldview, but not everybody's worldview is right. In my discussion with the gentleman on the street, he was obviously from England, had a cool accent. Was I rude to him in any way? No, let this be an illustration to you how to have conversations with those you disagree with. So see the story within the story. Within the story is that we actually can talk with people who disagree with us. And as you notice, I wasn't rude. I listened to him. I didn't interrupt him. And I asked him questions to learn what he believed. He said some contradictory things, didn't he? He said we got to learn about the beginning and the end, but there is no beginning and end. Okay, how does that make sense? How did you get here if there's no beginning? And do you die? That's an end. And then he began to answer my questions, and I think it's a pretty basic question. How did you get here? And so you may want to put this on Facebook or write it down. If your worldview, if your beliefs, if your way at looking at the world cannot answer the question how you got here, it can't tell you what to do now that you're here. So people try to act like they're all smart, what they're going to do now in life and how they're going to live their life, but they can't even tell you how they got a life. They can't even tell you how they got to be on this planet, where did the planet come from. So if you don't have a worldview that answers the whole range of existence, your worldview is not going to be good in the existence. So I asked him, where did you come from? And you saw we got into that little thing, you know, I came from a single cell. Where did that come from? My mother and so on and so forth. But do you notice at the end he just said nothing? I don't know. So here he said, I don't know, and I said, I do know. I know that we came from God. That's an answer. See, he didn't make fun of me. Some people may, but do you notice after I showed him he didn't have an answer? He wasn't going to laugh at my answer now. And then when I showed him that your answer actually makes no sense, he goes, well, I don't know if from nothing, nothing, uh, something can come from nothing. I don't know. And I'm like, come on now. Just go into a laboratory and show me nothing, and then show me nothing doing something. And you see, at that point, he knew his worldview had gotten rocked, and at the same time, I can love him and be kind to him. But do you notice how when I told him, I said, bro, I'm not even using faith. I'm not doing anything about believing Moses split the Red Sea, Jesus walked on water. I'm using common sense. And then he goes, well, that's still faith to him. You see, what he did, not intentionally, but he began to call names or wanted to look down on it. He thought that by doing that, he could distract me from the subject. And people will try to do that to you. The moment you get them cornered, they'll start saying, well, what about all the things that happened in the Bible? Or what about what Christians did 100 years ago. And what about this? And, and then sometimes they may even get sassy and say, you know what, but you're judgmental. All of those things are in logic called straw men. They're called red herrings. They're now changing the argument to something else. At the very beginning of our discussion, I asked him what his worldview was. To have a worldview, because we don't know everything, you already have to do it by faith. How many know even the atheist is using faith? Because he doesn't know everything in science. Do you think, you think there's anybody who knows everything? Come on. Uh, let's have somebody get the board for me. Oscar, would you get the board and marker? I showed this in the first service, and I'll do it here. It's impossible to know everything, and the more you know, the more you don't know. I'm actually going to prove that to you. 
So what I showed him was worldview to worldview, we win as Christians every time. Can I get an amen for that? And that's not to show off. It's just to show you how to do it. It's your turn now. Go to your school. Go to your friends. Explain to, the things you're, explain them, explain to them the things you're learning here. Today's sermon is going to be on God's Word, the rock of our worldview. So open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Look at your Bible, not at Oscar. He can do that without you looking at him. Come on. Go to your Bibles, por favor. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And what I want to do here is demonstrate. you got to put this thing down right there. There you go. I want to demonstrate to you the circle of knowledge that Einstein showed. And it's true. And there's, you know, there's no argument really with it because we all know that this is how life works. So let's look at this and tell me if you agree with Einstein. Let's say this is all possible knowledge right here. This is all that can be known. Let's say this is all that God gives us to know in the world. And we know this much right now. Let's say you know this much. Now consider what you don't know to be the circumference around what you do know. So here's what I do know, but what I don't know is the circumference of my know. Does everybody get that? I make a dot, and I say this is what I do know. What I don't know is at the circumference of what I don't know what I do know. Because if I knew everything, it would go to the full capacity. I would fill in the whole, the whole circle. Does everybody get that? Okay, but now watch. When I know more, what happens to what I don't know? What happens to what I don't know? It gets bigger as well. Now guess what? How much does God know? Everything. Does God's knowledge have any limits? No. So this is what it looks like from God's perspective. An eternity to get to know him. And so the more you know, the more actually you don't know. And I'm going to put this in very practical terms. I have right now on my Kindle 400 books. I have on my Bible software that I studied the Bible from 1,400 books. I have in my personal library hard copy books 500. I have close to 2,500 books. I have been in school learning over the last 10 years. It took me, I took two years to get an associate degree. It took me two years to complete it to get a bachelor's degree. It took me another two years to get a master's degree. That's, that's six years. And now I'm in the first... I've already completed the first year of my doctorate degree, and I have about another two, a year and a half to two years left. So I will be in total, after high school, 10 years of total learning. I have 2,500 books, and I now have more questions than I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> think about that, how much you know. Come on, you think you know it all? I don't even think you know half of all. <laughs> And so the circle of knowledge is actually an endless circle because God's knowledge is endless. But what it does is it encourages us to know more so that we can experience more of God. But if you're trying to find your happiness in simply gathering in facts, you'll never be happy. And it will work against you because the more facts you know, the more facts you don't know. Okay, let's try to look at that again. But I'll keep talking about those things. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Somebody say, deep. Deep. Thank you, Oscar. Would you come and get this for me, please? Thank you. I want to show you in the Scripture where our sermon series comes from. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. How many know that there is a war of worldviews going on in our world today? Okay, so there's a worldview war over your sexuality. Whose view are you going to take, Oprah Winfrey's view or the Bible's view? 
There is a worldview war over how you're going to look at race. Are you going to look at it the way scientists look at it, which, by the way, teaches racism? Do you know that every single person who believes in evolution automatically believes in racism, whether they acknowledge it or not? If you're an evolutionist, you are by definition a racist. Why? Because we all come from ape-like ancestors, and some of us have evolved more than others. That's the truth. So go figure it out. Who's more evolved? Is it the ones that look less like the apes or those who look more like the apes? Google human zoos, and you'll see what they did to people under Darwinism 100 years ago, taking Africans, taking Aborigines, taking the people of jungles, and calling them missing links. So, hey, you like racism, be an evolutionist. If you hate racism, be a Christian, because the Bible says there's not multiple races. There's one race, the human race. I bet your science teacher doesn't want you to know that, because they want you to think you came from the goo through the zoo to you. And if that's true, then you're also a primate. You're just an evolved primate. That means we can have sex with primates, because we have sex within our race. And if animals are within our race, then there's no sin of bestiality. There's nothing wrong with it. Nor is there anything wrong with being a cannibal, because other apes eat apes. If we are, by definition, in the file of ape ancestor, if we are an ape and share the same ancestors of modern-day apes, we are a primate. That's not my opinion. That's science's opinion. How many believe science? I'm not believing science. How many going to believe the Word of God? Y'all looking at me like you want me to do some science. Is man a primate? Do you want to see? Are humans primates? Let's go to the Smithsonian Institute. This will be a little bit teaching for you, and then you guys can decide. People may seem very different from lemurs, monkeys, and apes, but all primates share a few key physical and behavioral characteristics. What is their answer in the Smithsonian Institute to whether or not a human is a primate? You all don't get it from that? Let's keep going until you get it. I want everybody to get what they're telling you. I'm a primate. You're a primate. Everyone reading this blog is a primate. See, y'all come to church. Let me just back up. Y'all used to make-believe church. You come to this church, we don't play make-believe church. I'm not against all the pastors preaching them stories to you over and over again, but I'm here to tell you, we don't play make-believe here. You're You're supposed to learn here. You're supposed to come ready here. I'm telling you the truth, people. They believe you are a primate. Did you understand the logic I just used on their own worldview? If I'm a primate, I can have sex with other primates. Bestiality is not a sin. If I'm a primate, I can eat other primates. It's no longer a sin. It's no longer an issue. And what? What, 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 what is this? And racism is true because there are more highly evolved primates. What you want, the little one or you want the gorilla one? You're going to get the bigger one, the more evolved one. Which is the smarter one? Okay, let's start doing tests on the African people. Let's get tests on the European people. Let's find out which one of you more closer to the ape and which one more closer to our next stage of evolution. Maybe we'll be like Avatar. The people there start putting stuff in our brain from the trees. Who knows? You see how quickly we just blowed up some stuff? You see, the Bible is very clear with us, my friends. You are in a war, whether you know it or not. And so let me just help you. If you don't know that you're in a war, it's because you've already been defeated in the war. you already taken captive by the devil. If you don't feel like you're fighting stuff in your mind and in this culture, it's because you've already believed a hook, line, and sinker. But the Bible says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war like the world does. So what that means is I, as a Christian, don't fight my worldview. 
in with guns and knives. I don't fight it like the Aztecs, like the Zulus, like the Greeks, like the Romans, like the Egyptians, like the Mayans. We don't force our worldview on people like the Roman Catholics or like the jihadists of Islam. Our fight is in the mind, and we let people make a choice. Now, ask yourself a question. If we don't come with any weapons to China, if we don't come with any weapons to all these nations, why are they outlawing Christianity right now? Why has that dictator in China outlawed Christianity? You know why? Because they're scared to give us the mic with equal time. That's why in Korea, South, uh, North Korea, they won't let us talk. That's why in Afghanistan, they won't let us talk with the Taliban and those leading with ISIS in Syria because they're chickens and they're cowards. But yet you could come to this nation right here on this stage on another day. I'll give you equal time and place, and you can see me debate the Muslim. You can see me debate the atheist, the communist. You can see me debate them, and they get crushed every time, not by my strength, by the word of God. Because we just show them facts. And I'm here to equip you. That's why do you think I'm going on the streets doing interviews. Because I'm showing you people, if I can do it, you can do it. Now, you may not have all the knowledge I have. I understand that. But if I can show you in these lessons how to take what I got and use it, that's good enough, baby. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good enough, baby. For the weapons of our warfare. Somebody say, I got weapons. Look at verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Are you in a fight, yes or no? And do you got weapons, yes or no? Yes, the Bible says the weapons we fight with. So that means I got weapons and I'm fighting with them right now. But my weapons are not the weapons of the world. Anybody in the name of Christianity who has used a sword to promote the Bible was going to hell with the person they were persecuting. So if I go to a Muslim nation and say, here, I'm going to make you go to heaven with me by the sword, we both die, we're going to hell. He's going to hell because he has a false god. I'm going to hell because I'm following God the false way. So I'm not doing anybody any good fighting them in a war to change how they see the world. That's the same thing with the LGBT. I'm not here to fight a war with you. I get a vote. You get a vote. I believe in a democracy. That's fine. But I'm not here to fight a physical war with you because I understand that I can't beat you that way. I'll just make you more mad. And that was the same thing with me. When I was a sinner, you weren't going to come and force me to stop doing drugs because my worldview was drugs are good. And I even had a little scripture if you were a Christian and you came to me. I said, in the beginning, God gave them herbs. I'm just smoking the herbs, man. I'm like Bob Marley, man. The herbs, the herbs of the earth, man. I'm telling you, I had a little argument for you. What are you going to say? These herbs are bad? You like them herbs? You like rosemary? You like thyme? I like weed. I like ganja. How many of y'all ever have used stupid arguments like that before? Come on. Bible says be sober-minded, but we used arguments like that. But here's my point. It didn't work with me. It won't work with you. So how is the learning process supposed to happen? Voluntary. You come to church. We spit the knowledge. You decide what you're going to do with it. You disagree with me? Let's have a fair discussion. I'll spit the knowledge. You decide what you do with it. Are we as Christians know-it-alls? No, but we know the one who knows it all. Come on, somebody. I don't know it all. I understand that. But I know the one who does know it all, and he gave me a message, and I'm trying to share it with you. And I hope you share it with the world. <laughs> Excuse me. So the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so the idea is it's not just physical. We have to go back all the way to the Garden of Eden and try to figure out where evil actually came from. 
Why are now these deceiving ideas here on earth? See, I believe that these ideas can be pleasurable to us or something we want to do, but I don't believe they have their origination with us. How in the world could we be the smartest we've ever been, have more technology, look at the baby from every possible stage of growth, and yet get the idea that that's not alive and kill it? That has to have originated from a devil. To even have us be that stupid? We can, we can track life down to the smallest molecule. We know what it looks like. Those, those Mars rangers, uh, rovers on Mars, man, they are looking to the smallest specks. I mean, they go from a grain of sand or dirt to the smallest thing that will make a grain of sand look like Mount Everest to how small they go. These nanometers, these things, they're looking for it. And yet we don't know what it is right here. 30 million children have died since the 70s in our own country because we've killed them. We've killed more of our own people than our enemies have. Come on, somebody. See, this is how the world will get you to think like them and not make it look stupid. I got to call out what stupid is as stupid does. And so we don't demolish people. We demolish the arguments, the strongholds. Look at verse 5. We demolish what? We demolish what? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Do we take captive every sinner? Do we take captive every person we disagree with? No, I don't take you captive because I can't change your mind. I have my children as captive in one sense in my house. They can't leave. And I don't get their mind to change all the time. How much more so an adult? You know, somebody could say, I'm going to make you do this. And then you'll say, you might be making my arms do it, but in my mind, I'm not doing it. You know how that is. You do that at work all the time. I'm doing it here, but not in here. I hate you, and I hate this job. Tell on yourself. It's better when you tell the truth. Come on. And so the idea is we can't change each other that way. We can't change ourselves that way. So what are we all supposed to do uniquely? Take on those own arguments that we have and bring them down to the knowledge of God. So here come these knowledge, these knowledge claims. Boop, 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 boop. I'm as good as God, and I can tell you this, and it doesn't matter what God says. Who talks like that? Satan, and guess what? You talk just like Satan when you talk like that. I don't need God to tell me what male and female means. I don't need God to tell me to wait to get married to have sex. I don't need, you just boop, 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 boop. You stand up and go face to face with God, the Bible says, and that's prideful. That's why he says he's going to knock you down on Judgment Day because you don't have the right to do that. He'll give you the chance now to make a choice. He won't force you. But here's the thing. You didn't get a chance, uh, a choice on whether you exist or not. And I know some people get upset about God that way. They're saying, you know what? I never asked to be in this to begin with. Now I have to make a choice between my thoughts and, and serving God. And I'm, you know, I think I'm the best way to, my ideas are the best way to live. And so if he doesn't like it, he can just deal with it because I don't want to be here to begin with. Listen, listen, that will not be an excuse on Judgment Day. You are already here, and you cannot escape God's reality. Does anybody want to debate with me on whether or not you exist right now? So you admit you exist. It's already over now. What are you going to do with your existence? I just showed you you can't explain where you came from without God. That nothing does not exist. Nothing is really nothing, my friends. You came from a God. You're going to be judged by that God. You better get serious about it. And I, I say this with all respect. Even people who say they're going to commit suicide, see, I'm going to show them it's all over, lights out. Hey, where did you get the idea that your soul can't live outside your body? <laughs> your soul lives outside your body according to the same one who gave you a soul in a body. So all you did is just put that soul right into hell. You, can't, you, you just don't get what you want, my friends. It's either going to be God's way or it's going to be the way of destruction. 
You can't have your way and it not be God's way and be happy. You can have your way and have destruction, but you can't have your way and have God's peace and joy and all those things you want. And a lot of people make good arguments that part of uh, hell will be without all peace. So those of you who hate anxiety, don't take your life because you'll be more anxious than you've ever been in hell. Those who suffer depression, don't take your life. You'll be more depressed in hell more than you've ever been. You see, because those are the things that are in hell because you don't have the peace of God, the joy of God, the sunlight of God. It's darkness, it's pain, it's turmoil. So stay on God's path. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So we take thoughts and we make them obedient to Christ. And it's not just in an argument with an atheist or an unbeliever. And by the way, we're going to talk about world religions here too. We'll let Islam have its day. I got a book on them that I wrote. We'll let Hinduism and Eastern philosophy have its time here. And I'll let y'all decide. I'm not even threatened by bringing them up and their ideas here. The reason is, is because they'll get crushed just like dude saying the things he said. I'm not, you think I'm afraid to put his answers up here for you guys? Come on, can I hear an amen? I'm not a, you think I'm afraid for you to read this? Do you think I'm afraid for you to read this? See, some Christians are so weak, they can't let you understand what the world says. They have to tell you make believe and try to cover up everything. I don't cover up anything. That's exactly what they say. I'm not afraid. You can go read the whole article. You can get somebody from the Smithsonian Institute to debate me on another day other than Sunday. We'll rock it right in front of them. I'm not afraid of anything they say. I don't want you to be afraid of anything. All this I'm doing for you. I'm doing this for you. I already know the truth. How many know that? How many know my 10 years of studying has given me some truth, right? All these books. I'm not saying I know it all, but why do we come on Sundays? What's my job? Why do I have the mic and why am I not sitting down uh, instead of sitting down? I got the mic because my job is to equip you. That's what I get paid for. Just like there's all of you here that do stuff for a living. Man, I'm not going to try to do construction tomorrow. Trust me, it will be better for everybody. I don't try. I'm not going to try to do your sales job. This is my job. And the, and the thing I got to do is prepare you for the world out there that literally thinks this is their cousin. I got to prepare you for this world right here. That's your cousin, people. Now, let me ask you a question. If you teach people that's what they are, is it any wonder they act like that? And is it any wonder that we act like this in gangs? Is it any wonder that we act like this in politics? Teach a businessman he's nothing but an animal. He'll corrupt the whole place. Teach a young person he's nothing but an animal. He'll sell drugs all over his neighborhood because it's a dog-eat-dog world. You tell anybody, this is all, you tell a pervert, that's all they are. They're going to rape children. That's why our jail is full of sexual perverts raping because that's all they are. There's no jail for these animals that rape each other. How many of y'all have been raped by a dog? Be honest. Now, most of us haven't had the actual thing happen, but how many have had a dog get on your leg? I, I had my uncle's dog just get all over my leg, and I said, man, can we put this thing down or something? What's wrong with your dog? But how many know the dog didn't know any different? If we all apes, what's the difference between the rapist doing it then? He don't know any different. He's just an animal. Y'all don't want to live in a world like that, do you? So we're not afraid of the truth, are we? I don't, I don't have any problem today with bringing up to you what the world is saying. Listen to what the Bible teaches. We demolish arguments. How many are ready to demolish some arguments? Amen. If you didn't know what worldview is, how we see the world, everything in it, the biblical worldview is how we see it from the Bible. Let me put it up here right here for those that haven't been here or for a review. When we look at the Christian worldview, we're building on foundations. Our first foundation, our axiom is the Word of God. Now, right here, as I've said before, people can be like, oh, man, that's just a, that's just a book written by men. Then you can just ask them, what's a history book written by? How many of y'all met Abraham Lincoln? You shook his hand? You hung out with him? How many of y'all believe he existed? How do you know? You read what a man wrote. See how people, it's, it's, it's foolishness. How many of y'all know right now the equation for lift? Raise your hand if you know the equation for lift, not by Googling. 
I want to see, make sure nobody's Googling. How many of y'all have rolled on a plane, though? Okay, what's the difference? You took that by faith, didn't you? You took, did you, did you know the equation of lift, mass plus energy plus wingspan plus uh, the speed that you're going? Did you know that? No, and I didn't know it until I looked it up yesterday so I could know it as an example. <laughs> Just in case somebody called out, you're like, passing those lift, man, he's smart. Be like an Aaron, uh, what, I don't even know how to say it. Um, a space engineer or aeronautics, there you go. See, when somebody says to me, the Bible's just a book written by men, I go, duh, did you think I said it was written by angels? But what the point is, is it true? Now, do I believe the origin came from man? No, I believe the origin came from God. But if I would have been looking at Peter or Paul writing it, I wouldn't have seen God move his hand like this. It would have just been just normal. We call it inspiration when it happens in music. We call it inspiration. That was inspiring when we see it in a play. What inspired them? What was the source of their inspiration? Just the beauty, just the things they saw of the world? No, it was God inspiring. That's literally what it means. In spirit, in spirit. The spirit they were inspired by by was the Holy Spirit. Is that complicated? So all I got to ask them, if there's a God, can God inspire people to write stuff? That's not illogical in any way. I've already showed you there's got to be a God. If there's a you, there's no way around that. So my axiom is the word of God. What is your axiom? Don't just take my word for it. Look at your life and ask yourself the question. I'm not mad at you. I just want you to be honest with yourself. What is your bottom line axiom? If you say science or logic, I'm going to show you how all of those things fail because only God can make sense of science and logic. As a matter of fact, science is a guess. It's at the very top, and we have no certainty of science. Not says me, says the best scientists of our world right now. Just like how I showed you the best uh, people who study biology say you're a primate, the best scientists say, bro, we can't even give you things scientifically proven. We're just giving you our best guess. But I'll show that to some of you who may be doubting in a minute. But after you got an axiom, you got to have presuppositions. And the reason why we have to have presuppositions is because you can't prove everything you believe. How can you prove you were born the day you were born? You can't. you got to take somebody's word for it. So off the word of your family, you now have a date of birth. But you don't know your date of birth. Now let me get even more deeper with you. How do you even know you're here right now? You could be in the matrix. Can you disprove that you're in the matrix? Prove to me you're not in the matrix. Well, I just raised my hand. Well, they're making you raise your hand in the matrix. I'm going to walk out of here. They just made you walk out of here. You see, there's no way to prove you're here unless you have a foundation that explains why you're here. My God doesn't lie. The Bible says he, he cannot lie. He's not a man. He will not lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. And God said, I'm really here. So there's my explanation of why I'm not in the matrix. Why aren't you in the matrix? See, my presupposition is God is three persons. I learned that from the scriptures. Let us, plural, make man in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit made them humanity. I believe in creation over evolution because from nothing, nothing comes. I can't believe in nothing having a big bang and then creating something over millions and billions of years. We'll talk about creation and why the world looks old and all of those things. But can I give you a little head start right here? When God made Adam and Eve, did he first make them as single-cell organisms or as grown adults that can be fruitful and multiply? When he made the Garden of Eden, did he give them little seeds and dirt, or did he make a garden? Come on, some people. When God made the universe, did he make a baby universe or a full-grown universe? That's why it's going to look the way it looks, and I'll tell you more about that later. Number three, humanity has fallen uh, into sin, and that's why there's sinful things going on. I heard a Christian say, a former Christian, he used to be a, a radio host, he said, I was a Christian until 9-11. I saw all these bad things happen to good people. My friend, you haven't read my Bible. 
Within the sixth chapter of our Bible, Genesis, the whole world's getting judged. Within just a few more chapters, Sodom and Gomorrah is getting rained down with hail, uh, fire, and brimstone. How many know our Bible explains there's, there's evil in the world and why there's evil? And then we believe Jesus is God in the flesh. Let me just fast forward you to the duel of the ages. If you just want to go tit for tat with any other religion, I just go to this. Jesus and his word. Let's go. Muhammad in the Quran, Jesus in the word. Let's go. Ding, ding, ding. Let's go. Let's go Buddha, Krishna, Bhagavad Gita, the, the, the writings of, of, of any religious leader. Let's go. Your book, your man, my book, my man. Let's go. Every time Jesus wins. Every time. Watch me debate Muslims. Watch me. I'll go on these streets, do it all day long. Watch what happens every single time. Jesus is the claim that separates us from all other religions. Number five, salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. This is where we separate from Roman Catholics and other religious Christian groups like that that teach you got to do more to be more. Jesus never taught that. The message was a simple message of faith. Just like I didn't do anything, or I should say Adam and Eve didn't do anything to be created, and you didn't do anything to be born, how are you going to do anything to be spiritually reborn? You can no more make yourself spiritually reborn than you can make yourself wings and fly to heaven right now. It would literally be easier for you to make wings and fly to heaven than it would be for you to change yourself on the inside. That is how difficult it would be. The Bible says it's impossible. Jesus said he's the only person that can change a person's life, and it's only by faith. And then lastly, God will judge the world. Everybody go, that's scary. Come on, somebody say, that's scary. You're going to get judged. Every single one of us is going to get judged. Now, Follow how this works. And, I'm, and by the way, when we talk about other religions, I'll show you their axioms, presuppositions, etc. okay? We start with the Word of God. We can't prove all of these things other than with the Word of God, so we assume them to be true, that God wouldn't lie to us. And then from there, we make our propositions, our judgments based on the Word of God. This is true. This is not true. All of that is what we have certain knowledge of. Everybody say certainty. But you know what we don't have certainty of, what is an opinion, which is the best guess, is science and your experience. Think about this. This is where it's going to get deep. Somebody say, deep. I got to go deep for about 10 minutes, and then I'm going to go to something that's going to be radically encouraging. It's going to be powerful. But I got to go deep for maybe 10, 15 minutes. Track with me here. Science is never certain. Science is a guess. And your experience is never certain. It's always a guess. Somebody say, prove it. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to start with the foundation of science, Okay. Science is the inductive method, reasoning from the Pacific, no, specific, I knew I had this, specific, everybody go specific. Those of you who are bilingual are my heroes. As you can see, I can barely speak one language. And it's, not a, and it's not like, oh, he's being false humble. No, that's really true. I struggle at this language. Specific. Too general. Now get this. Imagine, we'll do a scientific experiment right now. Imagine if I had a bag full of marbles. I pull out one at a time. The first one is red. The second one is red. I do that 100 times. Each one is red. What scientific claim are you now going to make out of the next marble that I pull out? What color is it going to be? Red. That is in the entire scientific method. The entire scientific method is doing experiments and repeating them over and over and over again and then making theories based on your experiences in the scientific realm. But let me ask you something. Can science guarantee that you are actually in that place doing the experiment, not in the matrix? 
No. Can science guarantee that the next marble you pull out is going to be red? Can it guarantee it? No. No matter how many times we fly in a plane, no matter how many times we boil water, no matter how many times we get up in the morning and gravity is here, there is nothing in science that makes the claim that I can prove it will be like this in the next 30 seconds. This is called the problem of induction. And Francis Bacon, the one who discovered induction himself, the Christian who discovered this method of learning things, science, knew that this was the case. Look at what he said. God has placed no limits to the exercise of the intellect he has given us on this side of the grave. So meaning, as I showed you with the circle of knowledge, the knowledge is limitless and we have no way of proving it outside of God. It is God that gives us the ability to gain the knowledge and the knowledge is limitless. Therefore, if I don't don't start with God and his truth, I can never come to an end to discover things. Let me just give you an example. The guy who said there was no beginning and end, if that was true, would he ever be here in the present? No, because the present can never exist if there wasn't a beginning. You would be stuck in eternity. This is like Interstellar the movie. You would be stuck in an eternal state, which is a contradiction because you would be in an eternal state. It would be like being a married bachelor. Time exists in a linear sense. So time has to have a beginning for time to actually exist. There was a time that God, out of his eternal state, made a time state. Now, God in eternity is not a contradiction because he's eternal. But we are not, nor is the universe, nor is anything here. And according to scientists, our universe will die at some point. It will experience a heat death. It will run out of usable energy. It cannot keep existing. So everything we see in matter, space, and time, to be in matter, space, and time, has to have had a beginning. Otherwise, it would not exist in the present. And one clear way of just showing this to you, with us in matter, space, and time, imagine if I said to you, right now, I want you to get a book for me, and I want you to prove to me that you exist by getting me this book. So you're going to get a book, and you're going to prove to me that you're not a figment of my imagination. Okay, like Russell Crowe was in the movie Beautiful Mind. He was schizophrenic. He thought he was actually seeing people, but they were figments of his imagination. How do I not know you're all figments of my imagination? So I'm going to ask you to go get a book to prove that you're in real time and space, okay? But here's the thing. You've got to go back in eternity. Our guy said there's no beginning. You've got to go back in eternity to get the book. So that means you've got to go back through all the moments in time to go get that book. Could you ever come back to me and show me that book? No, because you'd be still going in the past for eternity. You would never reach the beginning. Do you understand? You would never be able to prove to me you're existing. Now, how many believe you are existing? And you're existing in the present because God said there was a beginning. I know it gets deep, but follow along. Sir Isaac Newton, who was the founder of physics and the inventor of calculus, this is the thing I want to say right here. So many people go to college or get a job, and they say, I'm so busy, I, can't, I, I just can't read the Bible right now. There's so many things going on in my life. Are you smarter than Sir Isaac Newton? Are you, like, smarter than that? Because here's something I want you to think about what Sir Isaac Newton said. He said, I have a fundamental belief. Everybody say, a fundamental belief. Say, I have a fundamental belief. Say, I have a fundamental belief. In the Bible as the Word of God written by those who inspired it, I study the Bible daily. He said, I study the Bible daily. You smarter than him? He invented calculus. Do you even understand calculus? He invented physics. Do you understand physics? 
Some of you may, but I'm saying he invented it. You want to try that? He said, I study it daily. Why did these people who were the smartest of our time study the Bible daily? Because they were grounding their worldview. You see, they didn't want to become so smart that they were stupid. Like we were talking about before, killing babies in abortion clinics, now that we're the smartest in biology we've ever been, that's being stupid with the smarts you have. It's being stupid to believe you can come from nothing after we've studied everything we know about science and everything we find is a design. From the microscope to the telescope, everything is designed. And now what do we say it came from? Uh, nothing? See, that's being stupid with all your knowledge. Are you listening? Are you guys listening, yes or no? What did Sir Isaac Newton say? To avoid being stupid with everything I learn, I study my Bible daily. Study your Bible daily, folks. And he said, we account the scriptures of God to be the most sublime philosophy. As a scientist, he understood without the philosophical foundation of his God and his Bible, science would make absolutely no sense. Now, you think that's just their opinion? You know, those guys lived a long time ago. That was just them. Look at some of the things I was showing you last week. Carlo Rovelli, good Italian name, Rovelli, Rovelli. Okay, Carlo, what do you know here? This is what he puts in his article right here. Science is not about what? Science is not about what? Certainty. Look at his article. The very expression scientifically proven is a contradiction in terms. There is nothing that is scientifically proven. Just like they told you you're an ape, they tell you science can't prove nothing. Go test it. Go look it up in your books and see if I'm lying to you. Why are they telling you that? Because what is science? It's based on a reality. You have no idea where it came from and where it's going. Therefore, we can't prove nothing, Jack. It's just our best guess while you're here in this moment. Have you ever heard the phrase, counting all things as equal? Have you heard that? That's actually a Latin phrase they put into their philosophy because they had to say, stop. If everything remains the same, this principle will work. But we have no idea if everything's going to remain the same. But if it remains the same, every time I drop a ball, it's going to go down. All things being equal. That's a scientific way of going, we don't have any idea what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds, but we think it's going to keep doing this because that's what it's been doing. That's what they tell you. One of the greatest philosophers of our time, an atheist, was David Hume. He actually hated God, made fun of God, and he tried to use every knowledge he had to disprove God, but he found out that in all that he was doing, there was a problem. And I thank God that he was at least honest to tell us. It's called the problem of induction or the problem of science. And you know what he found out? Is he found out that everything I'm basing my worldview on has no proof. So you know what Bertrand Russell, one of the people that looked up to him, Bertrand Russell wrote the book, Why I'm Not a Christian, number one atheist of his time in the 50s and 60s. You know what Bertrand Russell said here? Talking about Hume's argument, Bertrand Russell, for example, expressed the view that if Hume's problem cannot be solved, and Hume's problem here, and this is from Stanford's Encyclopedia of Philosophy, Bertrand Russell said, if we cannot solve Hume's problem, which is the problem I'm telling you, there is no intellectual difference between sanity and insanity. There's no difference at all. You can't even tell if you're sane or you're insane. Remember the example I gave you of a beautiful mind? What makes him insane is because the person's not actually there, right? He thinks he's seeing it, but the person's not there. That's what makes him insane. How do you know you're not insane? How do you know I'm not here? How do you know that last night aliens didn't body snatch all of us and now we're androids? We're made flesh just like you. You're going to take apart each one of our brains and try to find our soul? 
Because you've got to remember, if you don't believe in a God, you don't have a soul. So all we are is just molecules and motions. We're just evolved primates. You could be right now in the matrix. You could be right now in a body snatch environment. Right now, can I give you another one that will blow your mind? You could be dreaming this right now, and you don't have a way out. You could be in a dream right now, and all of us are in your dream. It's called solipsism. Solipsism is the belief is that there's only one consciousness going on, and everybody else is in that dream, like how they would do on uh, these other uh, virtual worlds and these games. You're literally playing with characters you're making up right now. How do you do that? How do you know the difference between sanity and insanity? Somebody shout out how you know. God. So you try to mess with that? Let's go. What you going to put there? Your reason, I just showed you, your reason can't disprove you're not a brain in a vat. You just put there your experience that every time you got up, you did X, Y, and Z. How do you know not right, right now everything's not in your own dream? There's only one way you can know. That's God. Now, how do we know it's the God of the Bible? That's because of the lessons we'll be doing in the future. Come and get those lessons. Can I hear an amen? Can I give you some arguments against the reliability of science? Here's how they do philosophy. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to go back to preaching. Somebody say, deep. Okay, here we go. For science to prove anything, scientists must be certain about the future. So stop right now. You're a scientist. Can you be a certain about five minutes in the future? Can you be certain about an hour in the future? Can you be certain about 10 years in the future? You have no idea. Two moons could come next to us, throw the entire gravitational pull off. Something could happen right now. You have, no, you have nothing to guarantee the future. But to do science, you have to have that if you want to be certain. Otherwise, you're making guesses, which are good guesses. I'm not saying science doesn't make good guesses. We love the guesses they're making. Planes, most of the time work. Cars, most of the time work. Medicine, most of the time works when we find cures. I'm happy about that. How many are happy? Okay? It, it's impossible for scientists to be certain about the future. Do you know any scientists that can be certain about the laws of nature remaining as the laws of nature? And by the way, where do laws come from? A lawgiver. Where do designs come from? A designer. Why do we find laws and designs in nature? That's another argument, isn't it? Therefore, scientists cannot prove anything with certainty, only best guesses. There's your argument. Give it to the best people you know and see what they can do around it. How many would like to see an argument for God from science? So instead of saying, oh, man, I can't believe in God because I believe in science. How about this? I believe in God because I believe in science. You want to be able to flip that around on somebody? How many have ever heard somebody go, hey, man, I don't believe in God. I believe in science. You're okay, I'm going to show you how to flip it around. If God exists, the natural world will show design and be discoverable. Because think about this. If we're primates, all this is here is cantaloupe. All this is is chemicals and cantaloupe. Why is it chemicals and cantaloupe can discover laws and discover logic? Let me ask you this question. Does this sentence make any sense? Tuesday smells like green much. Does that make any sense? But does this statement make sense? Bananas are yellow. How did you know the difference? Your brain didn't say nothing. Your brain didn't make one noise. It didn't make one squeak when I did that. How did you understand that, though? Tuesday smells like green much. Bananas are yellow. Which one is logical? How do you know? See, it's inbred in you, isn't it? It's natural to you, but hold on, hold on. If it's natural, does that mean it's material? Did the law of logic that help you discern the statement, Tuesday smells like green much, or bananas are yellow, did logic have a material substance in your brain? We can paint yellow and charge $1.99 for at Jewel. No. So where is logic? It's immaterial. But you're experiencing it. 
God is giving that to you. If God exists, the natural world will show design and be discoverable. The natural world operates based on laws that you discover and prove design. Therefore, God exists. <laughs> oh, some of y'all bored. That's okay. You want me to tell you about Jonah and the whale again? Y'all want to hear another Bible story? Some people might be like, man, Pastor, you're so deep, you don't talk enough about the Bible. Just did an 18-month sermon series on every verse in the book of Ephesians over the last year and a half. I think it's about time I show you how to take that Bible into the real world. Are you listening? Because I'll do Bible stories, but you got to learn where all this stuff comes from. Now, let's say somebody goes, man, I, you know what? I, I get it because there's a lot of smart people who do. They go, I get science is not reliable, but, man, I believe in logic. Okay, where did logic come from? We're in the same place, aren't we? Where did it come from? It's not material. It's immaterial. Where do we say logic came from, people? Where do we say it came from? God. Does the Bible teach us that? In the beginning was the what? The Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word logos there is the word for God, a little bit of review from last week. Where does the Greek word logic come from? Where does this word logiki, logiki come from? What does that say? Logos. Can you have the word logiki without the word logos as a root? Come on, somebody. Now, somebody may say, Joe, well, you're just playing with words now. That's true. I'm using it as an example, but the principle remains. Without Jesus, the Logos, you can't have logic. Now, how can I prove that? I prove it very simply. Jesus came in John 14, verse 6, and this is what he said. Now, get his words here. It's up to you whether or not you believe him. But let me just tell you this. You can't say Jesus was just a good man talking like this because good men do not talk like this. Either Jesus was a liar, straight-up lying, a lunatic, or he's Lord of all, and he's God in the flesh. Because you don't say this and just be a good man and not be God. He said, I am the way. Now, notice this. He doesn't say, I got a way for you. He doesn't say, I teach ways. He is saying, get this big word here, ontologically, in his being, he is pointing to himself saying, I'm literally your way. How does he get the right to do that? Because John says, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He is literally looking at you going, the only way you exist is because you came from me. The whole thing came from me. Sometimes my kids want to know how big God is because the universe is pretty big and they want to put it in size, you know. Like God is really big and the universe is really small. It don't even have to be like in our eyes how we perceive things. The power of God is that big over the universe that it literally came right through him, spoken and it came. Now, we are not pantheists, which means the universe is God. He distinguishes himself from the creation like a computer is different than Steve Jobs, the creator of the computer. But the point is it came literally from him. He is the way. Somebody say the way. And then look at the next thing he says. He says, I am the truth. It's not that he's teaching you truth. It's not like he's just breaking down logical truth, scientific truth. He is literally saying every single true statement, rewind it, mine came from him. 
The mind of God sustains logic in the immaterial world. The reason why my mind and it can perceive logic is because his mind put it there for mine to find. It's a radio station coming from his mind, and I tune into logic. I tune into sense. I tune into reason. Tune into understanding. That is the only thing happening, and the reason for logic right now is minds communicating with the minds of God. One philosopher said it like this. We don't reason up to God like a ladder. We reason from God and in the sight of God. We reason from God. We reason in the sight of God. He's watching our mind work and he's going, yeah, you need some help. You need some more of my thoughts in there. You're a little bit off on this. What will blow your mind is that they also believe, those men, that every one of our natural problems could be solved in the mind of God. That's why they went to the Bible daily. Cancer is solved in the mind of God. That's why doctors need to pray. Some people say, well, we're we just going to pray about it. What's the deal? Because God made natural laws. How did we fix seeing? We fixed it with natural laws. I would just double down there. Some of those that are called here to the medical science world to start praying as you're studying and see these d- diseases cured. It's from the truth of God. And then he says, I am the life. It's not like life is something I give you. It's not just something that you get to borrow. He's literally saying, if you're alive, it's because of me. I am sustaining you at the very moment. Bible says he sustains us. Have you ever thought about what keeps our universe in motion? Think about it. Earth goes around the sun. Sun goes around the Milky Way galaxy. So so think about this. Earth goes around the sun. Solar system goes around the Milky Way galaxy. Milky Way galaxy is moving in motion right now. Who keeps it all sustained? Nothing that banged a long time ago? See, adults play make-believe, don't they? Evolution is adult for make-believe, uh, uh, make-believe for adults. If you don't think adults play make-believe, just watch one of them, uh, watch them as they watch their favorite team play. They actually think talking at the TV changes the way that player is going to play. Yeah, that's make-believe for adults. Another make-believe for adults is that, that that's not in order. No, it is in order, and it came from God, the God of life, the God of truth, and the God that said he is the way. Now, how does logic tell us that we're not just material objects, that we're not just animals? Because if materialism is true, logic does not exist. How many of you understand the definition of materialism? Raise your hand. Okay, not many. Let me tell you what the definition. Definition of materialism is to believe everything is just material. Once again, I showed you logic just can't be material. We just understood the difference between the two sentences. Bananas are yellow. Tuesday smells like green much. Where is that? You never find it anywhere in materials, natural objects. So if materialism is true, then logic does not exist. But does logic exist? Are we just animals sniffing our own behinds, raping each other right now? Yes or no? We're thinking about our thoughts. We think about morality. Can I just tell you, if uh, if materialism was true and logic didn't exist, do you know that every hideous thing could be done on this planet right now? Because we use logic as we determine morality. Let me give you something right now that could be logical but immoral, and if you don't have God in the equation, people could do. Humans like good-tasting food. Other humans taste good. Therefore, humans can eat other humans for good-tasting food. Is there anything logically wrong with that? It is a sound statement, isn't it? Humans like good-tasting food. Anybody going to argue with that? Humans are good-tasting food. Maybe we don't know, but let's just trust somebody who's tried it. They say it's good. So therefore, humans can eat other humans because they're good-tasting food. Disprove it. How can I disprove it? If God, first statement above, if God made man in his image, it doesn't matter how good humans taste. We don't eat them. 
take God out, go on your own way. You got to be happy with uh, cannibalism. What else can you do to prevent cannibalism other than putting God in that equation? If God made us in his image, it doesn't matter how good people taste. Do you see logic is in material, and if you don't put God in the mix, you're simply acting as if he does, and you're making up your own rules. And so what you can do is make up your own rules on God's plan and get away with it very long. We will be judged. So don't borrow logic to do illogical things, in other words. If materialism is true, true logic does not exist. If logic does not exist, this sentence has no meaning. So get the point I'm making here. If logic does not exist, then this sentence has no meaning. The sentence there would have no meaning. But this sentence and many other sentences have meaning. How many know that sentence has a meaning? You're understanding? Therefore, materialism is false. You cannot just be a material object. Now, how many like logic, though? How many like it? Come on. By the way, I'm not going to be going deep anymore because I can just see how well it went. <laughs> First and second service, y'all didn't do too well. Thank you for those hanging on right now. I will go back to Bible stories next week. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. Um, here's the argument for God from logic. You want to know how to use logic for God? To show me that God exists from logic just like we did from science. Man, I only believe in science. I'll show you God exists from science. Man, I only use logic. I'll show you God exists from your logic. You ready? If God exists, then logic exists in his mind and is thus immaterial. See, I just showed you where logic came from. Remember, it can't be material. can't come from the goo through the zoo to you. I just said I can show where it comes from God. It's in his mind. So do you believe logic exists and is immaterial? Yeah, I guess I do because I understand it. Hey, guess what? You just proved God exists and is the source of immaterial logic that you're using right now. Oh, <laughs> that little pity clap made it worse. <sighs> I'm glad you guys are still here, first of all. Let me say that. But has this gone a little too deep for you guys? Some of you are tracking. I want you to see that science and logic do not disprove God. They actually prove God's existence. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Adam, would you come please look at your neighbor and say that was just the introduction. I'm going to, I'm going to preach my message to you now. I had to do the introduction so now I could preach. Now, thankfully, my message will not be as complicated as, uh, you know, my introduction. Look at Matthew 7, verse 24, but I hope now you'll see the importance of this. This is Jesus talking. Here was what he said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because its foundation was on the what? On the rock, thank you, which is the words of Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, but it fell with a great crash. Can I just talk to your heart for a few minutes now after I talk to your mind? Everybody's building their life on something, folks. Everybody has foundations. And if you're not building your life on the Word of God, when those storms come, because it's not an if they're coming, it's when they come, your life will crash. Now, I want you to understand this. I had to learn this lesson, too. Some of you may think that once you start building your life on the rock of God, that there'll be no more storms in your life. That bubble changed or popped for me about a year after I got saved. 
when my sister died, and the first funeral I did was hers. Up until that point, I was happy not to be on drugs. Life was good. I was in Bible college, the blessed life. I only saw sunny days. Everything was good. But then I realized people still die. And I had a decision to make. When the storm comes, will I stay on the word? Or will I go back to the sand I used to build my life on? Does anybody here know what sand is? Sand is actually crumbled up rock, isn't it? Do you know that you don't even have a choice anymore now to exist? You're already here. So will you use your broken logic that once came from God? Will you use your broken sexuality that was given to be a gift? Will you use your broken emotions, your broken relationships to build your life? Or will you go to the one that has a purpose and a plan for all of those things? Because here's the deal. Storms are coming to both houses. But it's those who build their life upon the rock that are going to stand. So I know I went deep today, but i got to go deep so you can understand stuff here. But now I'm going to make it really simple. You want to know how you build your marriage? You don't go to the Smithsonian Institute. You don't go to Oprah Winfrey, who's never been married and has no kids. You don't go to Cardi B. You go to the Word of God, and you put God first in your house, and you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You want to know how you build your emotions to be strong? You build your life not on your feelings, not on the things you feel, because your feelings will deceive you. You don't build it on your sad days. You don't even build it on your paydays. You put your emotions in the presence of the Lord, and you say, I will find my fullness of joy in His presence, and at my right hand His pleasures forevermore. You build your emotional life on the Word of God. So what should we look at the Word of God as? Everything we're learning is literally a brick to put into our foundation. How many of y'all, when you first got saved, you were just amazed at the difference of lifestyle? Man, when I first got saved, it was like, man, this holds up. The stuff I used to have before didn't work like this. It holds up. And you keep building on it. And you keep building on it. I just want to go a little deep into this for a second. I just wonder... Come on, I got teary-eyed in the first service. I ain't going to fake it here, but may I get emotional again. I just wonder how many storms I've already been through in 20 years that were going to crush me if I didn't have that foundation. I just wonder how many of you have been saved, and if you wouldn't have been saved, depression would have taken you out, but you had a foundation, and instead of it being a storm that rose up water this high, it was just a puddle. Instead of what those enemies did to you, blowing your house down, It only just rattles your windows a little bit. I wonder how much destruction God has spared us from because we've been building on the rock. And I don't like to be sadistic, but it's true. I don't know what storms are ahead. Can you promise me scientifically I won't bury one of my six children in my lifetime? Can you promise me I won't lose a child like my mom did? Can you logically do that? But I got a promise that whatever storm I face, I'll face it on the rock of God's word.
I watched my mother bury her daughter standing on the rock of God's word. I've watched people go through cancer that they never thought they were going to have. Do you know today could be the last day being cancer free? The doctor's appointment you may have tomorrow may put you in six months of chemo like one of our sisters is going through right now. This may be the last day you ever feel this way again. But do you not know what God has said? I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He will be with you. As you put down those rocks, get it? Come on, what does the Bible say? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How do you get that house? How do you get that house? you got to build it with him. You build that house that you dwell with him in. And I've said this before, and I know I'm emotional, but follow me here. For some of y'all, if you don't know Jesus, you go up to heaven. It's going to be like talking to a stranger. For those of us who have known Jesus, losing the body is not going to change much because we're going to feel like we're talking to our best friend. We finally just see him now face to face. Because we've been building with them every day. It's like, God, I wake up in the morning. I look in the mirror and I say, today's a good day because you're with me and I sense you in my heart. And I build this life with you. I build this house with you so that you might dwell with me here. Because we don't worship in a temple. Our body is the temple. It's where we meet with you here, my life. And I'm not going to let the sand of the world take away the bricks of God's word. You may be going through some real tough situations. But I hope you keep building on that, on that foundation of God's word. Because there's nothing else you can put your life on that matters, man. That's the whole reason why I went deep with you. Because I want to tell you, my, my mother, she couldn't go deep with me. November 5th, 1995, I was high on drugs. I wanted to be in a mental hospital. My life was falling apart. And I started arguing with my mom. And I remember my mom saying, and, and you guys can feel free to say it because you're not responsible to be a know-it-all either. You don't have to know everything. And, and I was arguing with my mom about philosophy and this, this, and that because that was always an interest of mine. And why isn't God energy? And this is what she said. She said, hold up. I don't know about all that. But I know my Jesus. She said, I know my Jesus. And if you call on him right now, Joe, he'll change your life. And I'm telling you today, when you're talking to your friends and you try to go deep and you might get confused. I got some people coming back to me saying, man, I confused him and myself. I didn't know what I was saying after a while, Pastor. I tried. All you got to do is just point to the word and go, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible has told me so. All you have to do is just go back and say it's here. It's in, it's in his word. It's in his word. The same word that he gave to the whole universe to put light here, to put a foundation here, to put a universe here. It's the same one that he'll put bricks in your life here to build upon his foundation. Can I hear an amen? Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus and his word today? Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Band